It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. <laughs> Running and gunning today. Whoa. That's very violent, Bryce. <laughs> it's an expression of uh of post haste, man. That's fine. Hey, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, episode 39, the podcast where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share tales of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. And our trusty producer. Riley Bright. Hey guys, how was your Labor Day weekend? Oh, it's good, man. How was yours? <laughs> that sounded like bullshit. Great, great, <laughs> great banter. I ask you a question. Yeah, it's you fucking just, great. You threw it Let's right back at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad the summer's over and my kids are back in school full time. Yeah, you were uh, you were single dadding it for a little bit. Oh there, my gosh, you? yeah, it was like a daddy daycare towards the end of the summer, but. Uh, Sometimes, it gets to be a lot. It gets to be a lot. Those kids really made you prioritize your family over this podcast. And it's amazing. I'm upset about that. What mothers do. I just want to <laughs> say that. There's like even at my like even at running at like 120%, I still can't like accomplish to the quality level that my wife does. It's like I believe it. It's amazing. It's amazing what they do. I so. think we've all learned Shout that your out to wife, the moms out there. I think we've all learned that your wife is like a million times better than you are. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, <laughs> if only she believed in Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> then, then you'd be in trouble. Buddy. Then I'd be in trouble. I yeah. know, totally. Um, well, we have an amazing guest with us today, sitting here in the studio, silently nodding along. You know, he's a, pro- a professional. <laughs> he's waiting for his introduction. Uh, I would say this is the better half of Acker and Blacker. Oh, <laughs> we had been Acker on previously. Uh, he's the co-writer and creator of Thrilling Adventure Hour. He's the host of the Writers Panel podcast, and he has a new comic book series called Hex Wives coming out in October for Vertigo, which is awesome. That's an imprint of DC Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ben Blacker. Woo! Thank you. What's up? Long time listener. Oh, no. <laughs> First true. time. I love That's the show. Awesome. Oh, no, yeah, it's yeah, really. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's God, there are no right. surprises really cool. here. All right, cool. Love that. So you know I'm going to beat you to every segment. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I would actually enjoy it if you did. Go ahead and host the show. You, you don't trust Bryce anymore. <laughs> I yeah. don't. He's been for, a stranger. For good reason. First of all, what for is happening reason. with your microphone Thank over you. There, Thank Bryce? you. No, don't you worry You don't even about know it. how to podcast anymore. How dare anymore. you, sir? How dare you, sir? <laughs> is this your first time? Yeah, it's always my first we've time. We've been a little out of sync because we've... Uh, we, We've kind of we also do you know shows up on the Patreon and I think Bryce you've been missing other than the Bigfoot Movie Club I think we haven't had you for like six episodes over there Oh that's not true really Yeah all oh, well let's let's review and also this is a good chance to plug the Patreon We had Bigfoot Boys this summer in August mm-hmm. you were in that Then we had Campfire Stories Church Church Lady Werewolf you were not in that Oh yeah no I wasn't Then we had uh, Riley went to Burning Man you were not in that we had Bigfoot Movie Club. Okay, you were I don't that. like this game. And then we had a bonus with Maggie Lawson that you were also not in. Well, this is you the know. segment where we shame Bryce for having I a family. I think I'm angry, and this it's just funny. coming out right now. I'm sorry. I'm no, coming at you know okay. what? I'm the one who's running and gunning 
And I apologize. Oh. All good. All I'm here good. to interview new co-hosts. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to see how this goes for the oh next 40 God. minutes. Uh, ben, then... our crisis management for today. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's like... I'm still like getting over how amazing your uh, your names are. Ben Blacker oh. and Ben Acker. You're going to have to get over it. I know. I'm going to have well, to get over it. I think I, that's so... We've been working together for 15 years. So it's incredible. We almost never hear it. Right, right. I know. It must not be a first for you guys. But... I'll be the first to admit it. Um, so Ben Acker, usually contacts me much more than Ben Blacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like um, to leave my house. We socialize I'm sometimes and he'll text me. And literally when Ben we got Ben got in touch because he's like, hey, I'd love to come do the show, which of course we'd love to have Ben Blacker on the show. I thought it's I a just, get. I'm a I, get you're a huge get. Hell yeah. And uh but my like nonchalant I'm reading the email as I'm like walking the dog, I just glaze over black and I think it's Ben Acker. And I'm like, boy, he really wants to be back on the show real fast. <laughs> he did love doing the show. He Aww. said you guys treated him real well. Oh, I love I love the episode. I it's thought a it was great. great. Episode. It was a good that episode. was uh Socorro Saucer. Socorro one, Saucer of the, one of my yeah. favorite stories. Anyway, it took about two emails until I re- until Ben was like, dude, this isn't Acker. And I was like, fuck. I'm Man. so sorry. That's nice. That's nice. Unbelievable. Does that happen a lot? Yeah, all the time. You're name twins. We are. You guys knew what you're getting into when you signed up to be a partnership. <laughs> well, also nobody reads emails. It's Let's true. be honest. Like no. well, we don't have time. We're reading them on our phone. Yeah. I was going yeah. through it very quickly. I'm I'm like big on like now I use a lot of bold and underline in my emails. I'm That's like a good idea. they won't read the body. Let me just yeah. bold a few of the highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you did a great job with the email to Bobcat Goldthwait for the show. I just want to mention. Oh, that. thank great you job. very much. Very you know, good. The correspondence. Bold, bold stuff really worked. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get into um, our guest's personal paranormal history, yeah. I hear that we have some Riley BCC news. Well, that was <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited there. <laughs> I really did. So, um, my father-in-law Ian sent me this, uh, which I thought was great because um, he lives in Vancouver. Are you uh, having a on... hard time with that? Yeah, the mic, mic is. Uh, Here's, you're it, like Bryce. Bryce is halfway sl- like, slouched halfway. And well, down and I'm the slinking couch. down to like get uh, <laughs> get to it. It looks like you're in a crib and you're sucking on a bottle. <laughs> oh, but I also want to be able to see my um, my laptop there. Okay. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so this came out August fifteenth, and uh, the headline reads: "Bigfoot lawsuit lacks an air of reality," say BC lawyers. Oh yeah, yes. This is sort of so, an update to the uh, larger uh, story with uh, Claudia Ackley up in Washington State as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Todd Standing. Yeah, uh, and he is the filmmaker of Discovering Bigfoot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Todd Standing, but he's had some. Um, kind of notorious rapport throughout the Bigfoot community. He's gotten what uh, what some believe to be his, oh no. Bigfoot amazing photos. Bigfoot uh, videos mm. and stuff. But then on the other hand, some of them are like, you know, completely uh, laughable, you remember, some might you, argue. You remember how like in the original Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks didn't <laughs> blink? They just looked like, you know, they were, they were yeah. cool costumes, right. but they just had sort of doll faces, you know, teddy bear faces. There's a couple photos from this guy that look a little like that. So that headline came off the the one the day before. Tracker takes B.C. government to court to prove Bigfoot exists. A B.C. man is taking the provincial government to court for allegedly damaging his credibility and not acknowledging that the Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot, may exist. Tracker and documentarian Todd Standing will make his case that the species is real Tuesday when he appears in a new Westminster courtroom. He says he has evidence way beyond a reasonable doubt that the species exists. 
If this was a murder trial, I would just annihilate it, he told CTV's Your Morning on Tuesday. Uh, Your Morning on Tuesday. I'm going to overwhelm them with evidence. Um, <clears throat> really weird quote. I know. Yeah. This, it really is. He's either going to march into the courtroom and pull down his pants, or march into the courtroom and pull down his pants and just take a giant shit. Why is anyone giving this guy any creep? Oh, good God. Oh, so he's shocked. He's shocked at the, at the realness. The photo is You must insane. be showing him the uh, the Muppet one. That yeah. looks like a Muppet. Yeah, that's yeah. A, some dark crystal shit. Yeah, yeah. that is some dark Ugh. crystal shit. Why is anyone listening to now, this Now, what's today? strange about this that, so, so in that same yeah. documentary, he has uh, this one Bigfoot that he's, uh, f- with a videotape he's filming. This and is it's his like, second attempt. And it's like through trees. <laughs> Let me see. This one. Oh, that people well, think oh, that's, it's a, him. that's a bad. Yeah, they that's, people think it's him in makeup. Yeah, there was Obviously. A, there that was one. Even look like the same species. <laughs> I think it's a tree in makeup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it so sounds like you're not convinced at those photos. I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. It was it's actually a pretty interesting it, movie. It's fun, but it feels very. That's the thing. Once I got to these, I was like, you can't do it. I'm turning it off. Doesn't this make you so sad that like there's stuff going on in this world, and this guy's like. I'm taking this to court. I yeah, know. I have to prove this. Well, wait a minute. Oh, what are you I doing? am I am in favor of Claudia Ackley in uh, Northern California. I am I'm in favor of her uh, her her same. She's trying to do the same thing with California, get Bigfoot recognized as official wildlife, because she and her kids have seen one like once or twice, and I actually kind of believe her story. She's not passing Are along... Are these people who live in the woods? Yes. Like that movie from a couple years ago? Well, what, oh, what Mama? Made, what made... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Not what I was thinking. No, that... that oh, I what made this what guy called. interesting anyway. was that he's like a professional tracker and, uh, you know, that he learned from the First Nations people, so he would actually go out on his own and without a gun or anything like that. Thank and, God. Uh, you know, and he would go like deep into the woods and um and, he is and, an, and, and I, wear like his ghillie suit and like you know awesome. sniper in. <clears throat> I do. Res- I mean, like the one thing that that movie shows is like he does seem to know his way around the forest. Oh, which for is sure. Like, all right, I couldn't do. I couldn't camp to the extreme measures that he does. No, could, hell no. I couldn't camp. Well, and another bit of controversy too <laughs> is that uh, that's straight. You know, he partnered up with Les Stroud, the survivalist. So, so you get this this mixed bag of like credibility. You know, um, so what's I happening? I don't know that you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Les Stroud's the man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, but he got paid to do this, presumably. And who, yeah. Well, who's Les Stroud? Les Stroud is the survivalist. Um, oh. I don't know if you've ever watched those shows on like that, but he's like, like a Bear Grylls. Uh, better than Bear Grylls. Like Bear Grylls had a uh, yeah, that's right. Better, better than Bill, Bear Grylls had like a film crew with him. Les Stroud was notorious for just being out on his own uh, individually and being in the woods and doing these great survival shows. Not only that, is that he has an incre- two incredible Bigfoot encounters uh, that turned him into a believer. So as much oh. times as he spent out in the woods, he finally came out and he was like, you know, I've had a couple experiences that really turned me around and raised the hair on the back of my head. Um, That's what? the kind of credibility I, I can get behind. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like he actually has credibility. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a serious question. Okay. If these lawsuits go the way that the people in them want them to, mm-hmm. and both you know Vancouver and California are like, okay, sure, Bigfoot's real, right? <laughs> you did right, it. Yeah. good right. job. Totally. Like, how do we make these people go away? Do this? Okay, great. Sure. <laughs> Where does that leave you guys? 
It, like, what does that do for the Bigfoot community? Not, I think not it, much. <laughs> because I think, actually, even in Washington State, he's recognized in their guide of flora he and or fauna. She. He or she. Uh, Bigfoot or is they. actually recognized um, as a real species within the flora and fauna catalog. So Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. But nobody gives a shit. Like, it doesn't no. change the fact that it this is It doesn't change anything. And then they'll put some... No, phenomenon. he's not going to emerge through a light portal and go, Finally! No. Legalized! <laughs> you see me! <laughs> I feel seen! All I needed was some legal documentation! <laughs> Suddenly, it's it's sort of a reverse Thanos situation where just Sasquatch start appearing all around us. That would be Whoa. awesome. That would be the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Well, I've been with you this whole time. <laughs> anyway, that's his story, and uh, they kind of laughed him off. Um, none of it has convinced the BC Fish and Wildlife, which has refused to recognize. And you know, his if there's like a, a bunch decade. of Canadian uh, barristers laughing at you, then you're a real sure. schmuck. They're you're very schmuck, yeah. <laughs> so that's the uh, Todd Standing taking the BC government to court. All right. Well, yeah. it's good to know. Good luck. We need to contact Claudia Ackley. I want to get her on the show. Get her on the show. All right, we'll do it. Use bold in your email. I looked at Riley. Get on that, Riley. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) Well, uh, Ben. (coughs) Yes. This is why you came here. What is your personal paranormal history? Oh, you guys. I had a ghost. Really? No joke. You have a baby ghost? No joke. Uh, In my old place where my wife and I lived for seven years. Um, this was a, I think a 1924, 1926, uh, duplex in the Koreatown Hancock Park area. And, um, we lived on the first floor and we both independently reported seeing, uh, a man standing in the hallway who was dressed in like, I would say like fifties, businessman garb like salesman like a holding... don draper ghost a little tackier mm. okay a little Ooh. tackier yeah like it made yeah. me think like mid 50s even early 50s not as slick wow. not as slick holding a like sales case so like roger sterling trying to make it exactly like the if there were a prequel <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> which right. i would totally watch <laughs> yes <laughs> like a better call Saul Sterling's for rogers <laughs> i'm come on in. You sold that in the room. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> uh, but we both reported this independently to other people, and I forget who it was, but was like, you guys need to talk to each other. Wow. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I, one, you saved our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then in, in that same, and it was by like, there was a long hallway and a closet at the end of the hallway, and we both saw it in the same spot, and our dogs would go and like bark at that spot and scratch at that spot, and it didn't feel... Harmful, like it was a very benevolent feeling. Sure. It was just a dude hanging out, standing Weird. in the corner with his case. What do you make of that? We, a, a friend who is into ghost bullshit, because we don't believe in ghosts. Right. We believed in our ghost, right. but we generally don't right. believe in ghosts. I love ghost bullshit. I love <laughs> That's that. That's funny, because usually when you see one, it opens your mind up yeah. to you think. the concept as a greater whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think. Not, Not so, so much. Though. Interesting. So wait, all right, yeah. So a friend was like, maybe... Like she she said she thinks that ghosts are like attracted to metal, and there was an incident in our kitchen where like a first the electricity went out, mm. and then uh, the metal tray slid out of the toaster. We were not in the room; we were in a different room, and the metal mm. tray slid out of the toaster. And she what? that made her think like maybe metal was attracting them or was involved or something. Sure. But it was just this one ghost. Maybe he was selling magnets. Um. 
and his briefcase. <laughs> a Do you remember of, ni- magnet of strong, heavy, the 50s. 50 mag- <laughs> this was 1950s magnet salesman. Yeah. Magnets were new to yeah. America. <laughs> Refrigerators were really becoming a big thing. Yeah. So when you guys told each other about what you had seen, oh, we was freaked it kind of- the fuck out. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, was you? I mean, that must have been crazy. It was. It's like when you are like getting to know someone and you're describing something you have in common because we could not believe that we basically like he had sort of a plaid jacket right like a dark plaid jacket like we were describing the same thing and you it guys was experienced insane. the same thing but it never felt like oh shit we have to get out of here or who are we going to call like ghostbusters we, right oh i wish i had thought of that <laughs> like we we're just like oh we have another roommate <laughs> Right. right, and we didn't see him all the time, and in fact, like the last two or three years, we didn't feel it at all. So I have no idea, but it did was it, very specific. Did it spark your interest in the paranormal or or, or ghosts nah. or anything? No, no, no. I'm good. No, I was afraid to go. Well, I'll tell you this. Here's why it didn't. Right. We shortly after that we were. I guess it wasn't that. Uh, it was a little while after that we were watching The Conjuring uh, mm-hmm. on television. Oh yeah, and my wife cannot watch scary stuff. Mine's She's the same not way. into that. No way. So we had to watch it during the daytime. So it was like a Saturday morning. We were watching The Conjuring. That's awesome. And if you recall, in The Conjuring, the way the ghost was communicating with the people was through knocks. Mm -hmm. And so we were watching these scenes of like these scary knocks. And then on our front door, three huge knocks. We jumped, like ran around the house like crazy people. And then opened the door and it was the UPS guy. Oh. He was just like, he must go to, like, <laughs> so nonchalant, like, sign, please. Like, he must hear people screaming on the other side of doors all the time. Right, right. <laughs> we're like, we don't want to investigate our own ghost May- for fear of what it might open up. Maybe totally. the people in The Conjuring just had a UPS guy living in their walls. Yeah, it could, I mean, it's, it's possible. I, if you read early drafts, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy story. I mean, Wait, I have more questions. Okay. I don't uh, have more did answers. The, did the metal con- Coming out of the toaster oven, were you guys sitting in the room and you heard it happen, yeah. or did you come home and find it? No, we were in the bedroom and we heard the clatter. And was that before or after you saw young Roger Sterling? It, I think it was like pretty far after. Far after. Yeah, so you guys was... and you guys had already revealed to one another yes. you had had this. Now, why didn't mm. you tell your wife after the first time? Why? Why? Because it felt like oh, this is like crazy thing that I imagined. And I forget how it came up with someone else. I'm sure it was just telling ghost stories. Right. Like, I was telling my friend that, and she was like, Julie told me about a ghost also. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a strange story, man. very strange. Yeah, you guys definitely obviously saw some sort of... secrets are you keeping from Julie? I won't know until we start to tell (laughs) another friend. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if we tell you and then she tells you. She listens to the podcast. Exactly. Mm. She's like, I also have a Bigfoot lawsuit. (laughs) (laughs) She has several pending. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Do you think that ghost was disappointed after it went to all this trouble of (laughs) haunting you guys and then you just had this nonchalant response it's, to it it picked the wrong people to hunt <laughs> it really like, did we, no one could be less interested you know <laughs> it seems like that, a lot of effort and then you know it's just like yeah, yeah that's, the, na- that's the nature of coming sales. back from the dead yeah. exactly that's he the nature of sales sale. you know yeah, so. yeah i feel like maybe he just wanted to be seen and was <laughs> satisfied once that like we sort of talked to each other because we really didn't see it or feel it. and then we moved to our new place um and it ju- like there's there's a feeling you get from a haunted place i think and we moved to our new place and it just feels dead and it's also like a 19 i want to say 26 good dead or bad dead 
like, good debt. Like no activity. There's debt. no activity. Like yeah, it's, that's good. It's hollow. Like, like it's like debt. a sound atheist room. Debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's empty. <laughs> it's full of hopeless. This house is clean. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's I, wild. I think you prove our point that we make on the show sometimes that you have people who like experience these things and just move on with their lives move and don't on. think much about it. And then well, other people who good. are like, I have to start a podcast. It was, right. it was so, it felt so harmless. And I don't know, it felt like the, I don't know, the dumb way to say it is the ghost didn't want us to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like he right. wasn't asking for anything. He was just being seen. And as I said, like, I don't believe I'm not a believer in this stuff. And just, I don't know. Well, how, I, don't, I, I how can't reconcile. Yeah, how do you reconcile not being a believer with because seeing something like this? Usually, in, usually, usually in cases like oh, right. when you have uh, <laughs> when you have multiple witnesses confirming and verifying the same type of details of some sort of phenomenon. I don't believe those people. <laughs> But I mean that 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 I sets you on the trail of truth, with a you know. Great A snob. <laughs> oh, 100%. Those people are kooks. Right. My ghost was real. <laughs> oh no, I'm afraid for my story. No, but but I'm with Bryce on this like how how do you I don't get it. I'm open to it. I'm open to it being real, but I'm not going to chase down every story and right. think that like I I'm a hard sell. When you say you're open to it being real, are you are you open to uh, the thoughts of perhaps this might be an entity from the afterlife? Are you open to the thoughts that perhaps this is just some energy apparition? What what are you open to the idea of? Uh, after having heard you talk about the various kinds of or explanations for what a ghost could be, mm-hmm. I like to think that there's some kind of lingering energy. Yeah, I think that that makes a kind of sense to me. That said, in my brain. Yeah. I know people are just meat. Right. You know? Right. Mm. Like when you're dead, you're dead. Right. Mm. Delicious meat. <laughs> yeah. I think we all have a heart out for lunch. <laughs> sure. Sure. No, it's very true. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on But um, that's what I'm having that's what I can't reconcile. I think it's some sort of energy thing too. Listen, Nicholas Nikola Tesla said to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of frequency, vibration, and energy. So uh obviously, you know, this guy who couldn't make a sale, um, it really affected him. And maybe there's some sort of uh, energetic pattern that remains in uh, in that spot. I like that. Here's the other thing it's along like the those sequel lines. sequel to Death of a Salesman. <laughs> right. <laughs> the posthumous sequel. Of a salesman. <laughs> totally. Yes. Sold it uh, in the room. <laughs> in, in putting together this comic book, Hex Wives, which is about witches... I've talked to some practicing witches who kind of have similar things to say about like energy and, you know, like vibrations and stuff like that. And I talked about like, what does it mean to do a spell? That seems insane to me. Yeah. Right. And the things they talk about, which is sort of like, it's about putting energy in the world. Mm -hmm. It's about like, if you curse someone, that curse is going to come back on you. So you don't want to put that bad energy on someone, but you can do another thing, which, and like at that point you're splitting hairs, but I think there's something to that that is unexplained, but I do ultimately think there is going to be science discovered behind it. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that theory. Um, I'm just, I, I'm just amazed. Also, I got to plug the book, which I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's important. Well, when, <laughs> totally. So wait, when is it? Comes out in October. I'm glad you asked, Mike. Uh, it comes out on Halloween. Oh, Ooh, awesome! Appropriate. Yeah, yeah. It's about witches. It's uh, if Samantha from Bewitched didn't know she were a powerful witch and was being held as a suburban housewife against her will. Oh, oh that's, that's great. great. Uh, so sort of uh, uh, Stepford Wives. Yes. 
meets uh, Bewitched. Bewitched. Great. <laughs> love it. I love that also he's wearing his Bewitched I am. t-shirt. I'm on brand. Speaking Very. of Halloween, wasn't it last Halloween that we, we uh Ran and ganned, run and gun to get our first episode ran on the. I tried to do ran cast and ran, and run and gun, ran and ganned to get our first episode of a BCC on the air. Yeah, right? is that right? And yeah. it'll be our one year anniversary. It will be, and our one year anniversary falls on a Wednesday this year. Cool. So I think we're gonna have um, cooking up an idea for a Halloween special. Oh, dude! Yes. To we'll celebrate we'll our one year. That's great because now Halloween every Halloween is gonna be our birthday. Yeah, that's great. I love this that. Is fucking that is perfect. Righteous. It's yeah. like we planned it. Yeah. I love it. Congratulations. Um, well, thank and you, you too. That's a feat. Yeah. Like a year, yeah, we're coming a year up on doing a, year. a podcast is pretty good. And I, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I just celebrated 400 of the writers' panel, but oh, a year oh, is wow. great, you guys. A year <laughs> is great. So tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about writers. Do you not want to talk about Bigfoot? <laughs> no, we'll get to it. We already have. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about writers' panel, too. Uh, writers' panel is a podcast that I put out every week in which I talk to writers about, uh, mostly television writers, about the business and process of writing television. If awesome. there is a program that you love, I found the audience to be sort of 70% writers mm-hmm. or people who want to write for television and 30% people who love DVD extras. Right. Uh, right. Like the p- fans of that stuff. I miss audience. those DVD yeah, extras. Yeah, totally. Me too. The, 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 the knock in DVD sales is really... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Stolen a lot of the fun stuff about what made DVDs cool in the first place. I agree. Um, yeah. So people who like that stuff, I think, will like the... And if there's a TV show... You love. I have had the creator or one of the strong voices from How, that show in on the podcast. That's great. How often do you guys talk about like Betty and Barney Hill's abduction or <laughs> like the Zanfredi? <laughs> Only constantly. Okay, okay great. Good. I edit them out. Of, I edit out of most podcasts, but <laughs> it comes up almost every time. <laughs> Sounds like we could use some of that on our bonus podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. Fantastic. All right. Well. Uh, I can't believe you saw a ghost and you still don't believe in ghosts. That's amazing. First time. That's a weird. You're a weirdo. I like I know, that though. But you're I'm complicated. Kind of that makes I'm me like you more. I get it. Okay. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. It's time for high strangeness. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Right. Is that a question mark explanation point type thing? <laughs> you know it was. Uh, you're already curating your Bigfoot museum in your head. I can see it. It's happening. <laughs> All right, welcome to uh, High Strangeness. It is uh, it is my turn this week, uh, and I'm excited to bring you um, what I think is one of the most fascinating cases within the last uh, decade, perhaps more. As ben, ben took a bite of his long John, like if you look up nonplussed. <laughs> Eating He's a like, donut? That's prove it. <laughs> this is how that goes. Oh no. Yeah, I'm dude. screwed from the start. <laughs> Listen, you brought some delightful donuts. I didn't want to eat on the microphone. Oh, well, then you do your intro. I got ben, what I- his look to that ghost must have been like. Eh, I could see through you, yeah. but eh. But there are donuts. Yeah. So well, then we have a surprise for you. The ghost is here today. Come on, sit down. Uh, Time to confront your beliefs. Amazing. Anyway, this is called. Called the um, the Ariel School phenomena. Um, Ariola have you heard school phenomena? No, not Ariola. Ariel School phenomena. This is a school in uh, Rua, Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> okay. When we did the John E. Mack episode with, yes. I believe it was guest Maria Thayer. Shout out Maria Thayer. Boo. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, we mentioned he mentioned or you mentioned this. 
uh, incident at the school. That's correct? right. Okay, That's cool. right. And I'm John just... John John Mack, he plays an integral part of this story. Ben, for uh, and for those who don't know, Johnny Mack is a uh, is a Harvard uh, psychiatrist and a Pulitzer Prize winning author uh, who wrote a book on uh, the abduction phenomena. And later in his career, he became um, sort of like it. It fell into his lap, but he became really interested in in uh, in interviewing and uh, and uh, working with working patients. with thank you uh, ab- mm-hmm. uh, people who have uh, tales of abduction. Oh, like that guy on the X Files. Yes, okay. yes, and he came to some pretty stabbing. Put it in a language I can yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, he came to some. You can pretty, pretty much follow up anything that we're going to say with. Oh, like that guy on the X Files. Right. Yeah, you know, he was a skeptic that kind of came into some staggering conclusions that that though he can't prove the physical existence of of aliens, something. Uh, is absolutely taking place and happening. Um, anyway, so let's let's jump in. On um, on September sixteenth, September uh, it was two thousand September sixteenth, September <laughs> yeah, nineteen ninety four. Um, at approximately ten fifteen, over sixty plus children witnessed uh, a strange silver glowing craft kind of landing just uh, outside their um out, outside their field and and a couple of beings exiting the craft um and this sort of sparked the Ariel school phenomenon now they were all on uh the morning recess and what's weird about this is that all the uh, all the adults from the school they were inside during a staff meeting so really there's about 200 kids you know uh, outside on the playground, when they when they see in the light sky these like kind of three silvery objects, and and they're kind of like floating uh, around in the sky, one of them seems to like come down and descend right into a field that's really only about fifty yards from where they're playing, and they kind of hear this kind of loud noise, and outside the vehicle, <laughs> had it lost it. <laughs> They see it's the loud noise. They see. No, this... I got it. <laughs> I worked in fake radio for years. <laughs> we are all being silently judged. They see this one meter tall kind of being exit the craft. Now, all these witnesses. These now these are kids from about first grade to seventh grade, so varying in ages from about five to thirteen. Um, and they're and they're a mixed culture. You know, uh, kids from uh, Australia and New England and uh, and Africa and. But they're all. I'm sorry. Their ages again. Uh, they're, so they range from like first grade to seventh grade. So, so unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No. But you'll you'll get to a point that kind of like uh, that prods the story later is that you know it was really these kids who witnessed this. There wasn't any adult witnesses. There mm. were. There was the night before. Three airline pilots uh, re- logged in reporting seeing this strange glowing orb outside their left wing, um, and they called that. And not only that, two days two days earlier. Um, there would report uh, a UFO streaked across the sky over Southern Africa. Um, and now one of the uh, Africa's leading researchers, Cynthia Hine, she did a MUFON investigation on this UFO flap called Case Number 95. This is about the UFOs they saw a couple days before uh, that landed craft in the, in the school of Zimbabwe. Um, but anyway, I want to get back to, to what happened there. So, so these kids report seeing... Um, like about a, a one meter tall creature wearing this kind of black skin tight suit, kind of described as like what a diver suit would look like. A skinny neck, large head, black almond shaped eyes, 
and um, and long black hair. <clears throat> so this is like an alien gray, but with hair. Yes, Ooh. absolutely. Somehow that's more disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one kid described it like it looked like Michael Jackson, but with a bigger <laughs> I, with a bigger head. You is know. it possible it was Michael Jackson? It could have been. Uh, he does have a jetpack. He does have sure. a jetpack now. Um, did. He's dead now. A couple of them was described. What, where it gets interesting is like, uh, you know, the number of uh, these beings that they they witness kind of varies. Most of them agree that it was around two, uh, but some reported seeing up to three or possibly even four of these beings. Um, you know, which will kind of get into like um, sort of what I believe is happening here that it that, that all this phenomena runs through our own personal filters um you know so like being the witness to a car crash you know we can all witness that same thing and describe it in different ways you know i saw Um, two long-haired aliens crash that car (laughs) i saw michael jackson crash that car now they reported one of them kind of just like uh you know sitting on top of this uh what they described as a silver disc and uh and they said one of them um, kind of approached a, a, a group of the kids, and uh, and a lot of them became very frightened. A lot of them were the very, kids or the aliens. The the kids, and uh, some of them became pretty excited as well. Now, they're the only adult on the playground uh, was one of the kids' moms, and she was running what was called the Tuck Shop, which is just where they sell sweets and 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 treats. I want to like hear this, more about of this, this. <laughs> of this nature. Well, she had a child who went to the I school. I have a real sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what kind of candy do they have? <laughs> they came. They came running up to her. Uh, the teachers were all in the staff room for the weekly teachers meeting, and the only other adult on the school premise was Miss Allison Kirkman, a physiotherapist, who was voluntarily running the tuck, tuck shop. Shortly after ten, a few of the children noticed something strange beyond the playground, which was dotted with several clumps of trees. Now, um, besides which, no one knew what dangerous. Oh, anyway, Mrs. Kirkman told that when the children came running into the tuck shop talking excitedly about a small man running around with a band around his head and a one-piece suit, she was totally skeptical. Perhaps she said they were trying to get her out of the tuck shop because there were sweets and cakes, of course. (laughs) Mr. Museum Curator. Uh, We have time for one question. One question, please. Okay, I'm just confused. Yeah. Okay, so kids are playing on the playground. Yeah. Three objects appear in the sky. Mm -hmm. One descends. Yeah. One or two long-haired aliens get out. Right. Mom is working a. Apparently, there's a candy store on the yes, playground. Yes, that does not face the purview of this field. Okay, right. Seems weird that the one parent that is watched supposed to be there watching the kids <laughs> and selling them candy is well, looking away from them. Well, the derelict se- in her duties. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so no, she's just running the shop, and the people in charge of the kids was the seventh grade class. They were. Uh, you know, so they kind of there's a bunch of seventh babies, graders. The seventh graders, babies. Yeah, yeah, no, they were prefects. So babies really watching like, babies watching <laughs> aliens. <laughs> it was part of the assignment. Is like the seventh graders would look out over the the kids. Got Listen, it. They're learning responsibility. Okay, got it. Listen, it is a strange part of this story that there were that all the adult teachers yeah. were in a staff meeting. Um, and that the this this strange event took place when all these kids were I out don't on like how this recess. School's being run. Yeah. I anyway, have questions. also yeah. Now, what is the, uh, what's the alien with the band around its head in a three-piece suit? That in, 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 just <laughs> a one-piece suit. suit. That's just <laughs> oh, that's just one the of the suit. one oh, of the ways it. the witnesses describe <laughs> it. Okay, got it. Who's a dapper? Yeah. I'm anyway. still <laughs> thinking about your ghost. Oh yeah. Okay. When I was in third grade and went to summer camp, um, we swore there was a gremlin in the woods. Really? We were wrong. Oh, not the same thing. This is listen. 
roughly the same thing. Listen, no, not at all. Listen, this is 60 kids who witnessed something absolutely phenomenal happen. Now, when they ran back in to go tell the teachers in the staff meeting, okay, here uh, we go. the teachers were like, they all thought the kids were making this up. Of course. Now, the kids go home that night, and they continue to tell their parents. And their parents called the school the next day and said, what is going on with our kids? They are obviously spooked. They're... Um, you know they're having these kind of tra- this traumatic uh, feelings it, it taking place. Why are they being watched only by seventh graders? Yeah, and so- who? Why was no one told Michael Jackson would be making an appearance? <laughs> on the I should have never said the Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, uh, part of the fun and the candy's too <clears throat> expensive. <laughs> anyway, so one of the parents calls the BBC, the BBC, and they come Absolutely. out. They they send out <clears throat> a veteran war correspondent, Tim Leach. Now, Tim Leach is a BBC reporter who has covered genocide and atrocities in Africa. And when he came upon this scene, you know, he he basically took the position of like, well, there must be some logical explanation. These kids saw a plane or something or something had landed. Uh, But later he would go on to say that once he started interviewing these kids and hearing these stories, it had, you know, he couldn't get away from that. They were telling the truth that what they had witnessed um, they had actually believed they had witnessed, and it had a profound effect on on his life and his and his view of reality. Now, so which is amazing that they actually sent out reporters. So they they sent reporters to this school where they're able to interview the kids, and uh, a veteran veteran MUFON uh, field investigator Cynthia Hind out of Africa, she had the right mind to you know. Bryce isn't reading any of this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I thought Once again, I just... all his name. I'm just saying you. You. All, we've talked about this on the show before. You just have this amazing ability to remember names and stuff like. Well, this, I but... wanted to shoot this one from the hip instead of just read it off the page. You know, it's also uh, like a great campfire story. Yeah, like it, you are telling this in a riveting way. Oh, it, it's a lie, like a campfire story. <laughs> but I want. Well, how dare you? No. Uh, so Cynthia Hines, she has all the kids. Uh, draw what they witnessed that was you know? my next question and and the drawings mm. that they came up with now i brought you a sheet ben i think Thank i'm gonna you. grab it you know i only like physical evidence yes, yes. you have to see uh, did the aliens do anything did they just show yes. up in the field it sounds like they frolicked no with the kids. Um, did they interact with the kids yeah well the interaction brings even more to some here's some of the drawings that the oh kids boy. uh kids are I terrible artists a... <laughs> kids are terrible artists what? now these are all different. Yeah. This is like someone said, hey, draw an alien. So a bunch of kids drew different aliens. Well, you know, like I said, they all kind of uh, <laughs> had an experience or witness of, of, of the same thing yet different. Um, Whoa. So now, uh, back to John Mack. He, um, he just happens to be in so Africa different. at the time um, doing, a, doing a documentary case on a few of Africa's famed abductees when he gets this call that like, hey, the shit just hit the fan at this aerial school phenomenon. Tim Leach, the BBC reporter, he calls him. He says, I'm in way over my head. You should come down here and check this out. So Tim um, Leach was on board. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's, Abs- he's buying this. No, he is. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and you know, this is a guy who's been shot in, in, in the war fields. And, well, that and, explains. And so he's, <laughs> he's seen things. Oh, is he a ghost? Um, he might have been a ghost. <laughs> Now, so John John Mack shows up and and he starts interviewing these kids and what they tell him and you can this is all on video they he he hired a small film crew to film along with him and so um, you actually get to see these kids being interviewed and is that a link we can throw up in the show notes yeah absolutely well there's a there's a there's a documentarian named Randall Nickerson who's working on um, 
the seminal documentary of this case. He's been working on it for about 10 plus years. It's supposed to be finished actually towards the end of this summer, but so I think he's still trying to put the finishing touches on it. It was obviously a project that really um, had a profound effect and got a little bit out of his hands. It's it's such a vast thing. Anyway, he's interviewing the witnesses. He, he was able to track down about 40 or 50 of the witnesses today. Um, when did this take place? Yeah, remind me. This took place in 1994. Oh, okay. So a lot of these witnesses today Back are, when, we, it was a simpler time. Yeah, it was a simpler time. We believed time. in aliens. We did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he's interviewed a lot of them today. Like that guy on the X-Files. Yeah, just like that guy on the X-Files. So John Mack, you know, uh, award-winning Harvard psychiatrist and psychotherapist who has had a, a, a tremendous reputation of working with children in his past, he gets there and, and he goes right to it, starts interviewing these kids. And what he uncovers is like, you know, how did you feel? And he... And, a lot of these kids were like, I felt very terrified. One girl said, one girl said, I had the strange feeling that, that I was going to be living on an earth where all the trees were cut down and that there would be no air. Whoa. And so she's not the only one that said that. Um, you know, a few other of the witnesses described, like one little girl I recall saying, uh, you know, she just, it's like she got this message that uh, that we weren't taking care of our planet, you know. And I don't know if you're familiar with kind of UFO phenomena or lore, but there's a lot of the uh, common threads that run through abductees or experiencers that have to do with um, with environmental issues and stuff mm-hmm. like nuclear disarmament and just these big kind of topics that that uh, you know um, that range in that. And anyway, you know, he would ask these kids. You know, how, well, how did that happen? Did they, did they say this to you or, you know, and, and, and one girl just recalled saying, I just remember looking into this being's eyes. One of the beings came really close and, uh, and just, and just having those feelings in my body. And, and, you know, when she got home, you know, she couldn't help but to, uh, you know, just feel traumatized from having that sort of an experience and, you know, telling her parents like that. So this is this you know this is one of those strange things and um, one witness I wanted to say um, <clears throat> her name was Emily Trim and uh, she spoke at a uh, at an international UFO Congress uh, in February a couple years back and she gave an extremely emotional account of her experience she was crying when she spoke of the encountering ETs floating above the ground and she said that she fell to her knees before one such being whose face kept changing between that of an alien and that of a lion whoa <clears throat> yeah I've never heard anything like that very I like that a lot yeah very strange right steal that one little girl stated that upon seeing the beings when she got the horrible feeling that we weren't taking proper care of our planet Oh, and I already said this. Um, uh, But yeah, when pressed by Harvard psychiatrist John Mack how she received these thoughts and feelings, she replied through their eyes. Now, you know, these are kids who have really no idea of what, you know, um, uh, you know, mind-to-mind communication is. Telepathy. Telepathy, you know, they really don't. And not only that, this is a place and a time where they're they're not privy to a lot of UFO communication. syndication or research so they're not they probably weren't getting the x-men cartoon no they weren't you know so that's what makes this tale all the more strange prep school they might have been true uh professor xavier's prep school is this a school for gifted youngsters (laughs) um yeah totally um (laughs) sorry i was looking at my nose uh (laughs) you know i let's see um 
I've never been so afraid in my life when I started to realize that there was actually something to this story, uh, said Tim Leach. And that's when he reached out to uh, John Mack. I think I already mentioned that. But anyway, so that's the kind of the tale of the aerial school phenomena. And, and, and these kids kind of reported that this, this craft just sort of, uh, they never reported it actually landing on the ground, more or less just kind of hovering. And did it, they see it take <clears> back <throat> off and fly off? No, it just vanished. Wow. Um, it just vanished. Yeah. So it actually didn't take off and like they see it fly away. But they were in the sky before, like mm-hmm. they didn't yeah, land. They, yeah. So here's my question. Yeah. Not to poke holes in this very believable sure. story. Right. right. Hold that thought. Yes. Because when we come back, we'll ask you. What the hell was that? And we're back asking Ben Blacker, what the hell was that? Is this school isolated in any way? Pretty much. I mean, it is is kind of they're in their own little thing. And, you know, I'm not too familiar with the area, but... Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a pretty large prep school. That's not like it's not like a suburban area. I mean, okay. you know, it's out in the fields and. Because that's my biggest question: is uh-huh. like, why didn't nobody in the surrounding area see these crafts coming from the sky? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the night before, right? Sure. Uh, d- doing investigative uh, findings, that director Randall Nickerson was able to three pilots. Came... This is a guy from Mufon. No, uh, no. The, uh, this is the guy who does, did the documentary uh, oh, Aerial Phenomenon. He, the the <clears> pilot <throat> saw something outside. Yeah, and they actually yeah, yeah. came forward to him saying, you know, we had we because there was kind oh, of a media frenzy that took place after this, and they they came out and said, you know, we had witnessed off the left side of our wing this like glowing orb is what they described it as, uh, and they all witnessed it, and then it just kind of like took off. Now this was only one night before, two nights prior, there was a slurry of. Uh, of, of people reporting these kind, this kind of like uh, fireball-shaped craft followed by other craft mm. flying through the sky. And there were astronomers and scientists who also reported this, too, so much so that they, uh, you know, they reported it into MUFON, which uh, Cynthia Hurd made a, uh, an investigative report of it called Case Number 95. So did anyone ever provide explanation for those things? No. Even false explanation? You know, uh, some people did come out, just to, just to parlay part of that skeptic side of the story, some people said that it was, you know, uh, a two-stage rocket reentry mm-hmm. from uh, of, of Russian descent, but... Uh, how many times have we heard that old thing? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> the old Russian the second old, stage. Two, the old <laughs> Russian second stage. This story reminds me of a couple other playground stories I've heard, which mm. is really strange. The uh, the Verona's UFO landing, which was in Russia in 1989. We covered that on yeah. Michael Morisi's episode that you were not there for. Um, <laughs> but, no, but then again, 40 to, 40 to 50. No, I'm just... It, it's true. It's true, you weren't there, but I'm saying... Uh, You're not here a lot. You weren't, no. Oh, sorry, I was filming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they, uh, but that was one where, four, again, 40 to 50 witnesses, a craft lands, uh, two beings, two, one to two beings get out, a little mm. robot was there, Ooh. and interacted with the, with the group of people and then took off. They'd seen lights around um, Voronezh the night before, um, and then in the weeks after, there was other sightings of of craft and creatures following, like for the next next week. Now, some of that we can probably attribute to the press uh, running with it and people getting a little hysterical mm-hmm. and wanting to be part of the story. The other story this reminds me of, and this is in Graham Hancock's book Supernatural, which yeah. we've mentioned a million times Love on this book. podcast. Um, and this 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 one freaked me out. Um, <clears throat> there was a story, and I can't remember exactly where it was. 
I it wasn't in the states. It was either I, I think it was in Europe. Um, a bunch of school kids were playing when they were a, a group of what they call little gnomes mm-hmm. descended on the playground driving tiny cars. Yeah. And Amazing. that story freaked me out because when I was a kid, I had a dream that I was on the playground and like gnomes with red pointed hats came out and started playing with all the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I still get goosebumps. It was one of those dreams that stuck with me because it felt more like a weird supernatural nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't fun. I wasn't excited. It was scary. And it was always one of those that I just remembered and being super creeped out by. And then when I read that, in the supernatural book, I was like, whoa, that must be tapping into some other type of phenomenon. So there are these stories of entities presenting themselves to groups of kids mm-hmm. in playgrounds, which is so strange. Now, the, I think the big disservice that sort of happened in this case is that, you know, um, when they went in to tell their teachers and their and their mentors and their peers, a lot of them just didn't believe them, you know? <clears throat> of course. Which is unfortunate because, um, and, and, you know... Well, they're do- a bunch of unsupervised children that have access well, to unlimited amounts of candy. Right, they're hyped up <laughs> on <laughs> sugar. I, and, you know, Dr. Mack tried to point out, uh, as a psychologist, he's like, listen, we're, not, we're never going to know what exactly happened, but to discount what these kids are trying to tell us is as, as lies you know, is, is, is actually harmful to them and, and a complete disservice to, uh, you know, to, to what they're experiencing, you know. And, and this documentarian, um, and I recommend you go check out the site, aerialphenomenon.com. We'll put it up in the show link. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he's followed up with a lot of these witnesses. And, and like a lot of these, you know, people who have experienced these, this sort of traumatic high strangeness, you know, they didn't want to talk about it. And and it still had a profound effect on their lives like 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that they've all gone off, unlike you who was not affected, but, but they've gone off on like, you know, trying to figure out um, what something like this might mean. Yeah, or they're what all, they've got to all be what in their <clears throat> late 20s, early, early yeah. to mid 30s. Yeah, now. that's right. You just pitched a great NBC show. <laughs> true. Good job. Sold in the room. Yeah. So, uh, they were selling shows right and left. Yeah. yeah. Should have had you on earlier. Today. I know. So, so what do you, what do you think? Yeah, what's your Mr. take on this, this is a really interesting story. Uh, the details of it make it very believable to me, but of course, specificity is key in fiction. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it believable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff I had never heard. There's stuff that, as you say, like lines up with other stories. Um, but ultimately, don't you think we would have heard about aliens? Like if this were going on. Right. Has has a, a story like this, which again is very believable, happened in the past five years when everybody has a phone in their uh, has a camera in their pocket? Well, that's a great question. Um, and to that, I would say yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is stuff happening yearly, so much so that hundreds of reports flood into uh, the Mutual UFO Network every year. And uh, and the, like the best ones that I like to pick through or, or that always capture my attention are are like something of what happened to you, where you have multiple witnesses describing pretty much somewhat the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of a triangulation of evidence. And and yes, there are people who capture photographic video, um, not, not only as well as eyewitness testimony, that put a real kind of like uh, damper on the skeptic's plug of like, hey, this is nothing more than mass hysteria or mass hallucination. 
Um, well, there's just so much disinformation out there too, and so mm. much hoax, you know, mm-hmm. hoaxery, and it's tough. But I, 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 you know, Ben, I think you bring up a good point too that like it has felt like it's been a minute since there's been a mass sighting of like a craft landing and yeah. its beings coming out. Verona's 1989. This was 1994. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix Lights, uh, which mm-hmm. didn't involve any, there's video, but didn't involve any entities. That was 1997. It's been a while that since we've had a, we almost thought we had one in San Diego last week, but it turned mm. out to be military players. <laughs> Is that right? Right. Yeah. That's I mean, and the, the, the video just <laughs> seemed to be pretty conclusive that that's what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting. And even the abduction phenomenon itself really seemed to peak in the eighties and Mm nineties. Um, and maybe it's part of a larger pattern that we don't quite understand. Maybe the, due to the fact that we do have video cameras in our pockets now that they are sort of fucking with us in some degree, you know, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Wi-Fi signals that we're carrying around with us. Uh, are blocking our third eye from being able to see these yeah. things. Who knows? I don't know. You know, maybe no, it's, maybe it's more entwined than than, than we think. I don't you know, know. You make a hat out of foil in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. Fixes you that can guard the, against that. That's true. You know, I, I would argue the biggest news to come out in the in in the last year or so was that uh, that groundbreaking New York Times article that yes. shed the light that hey, the government has spent twenty two million dollars investigating uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, running a program called AT. Uh, which is the Advanced Aerial Threat Initiation Program, funded by three uh, bipartisan senators, and uh, and also releasing videotape footage of these uh, strange metallic crafts evading F-18 Hornets. Um, yeah, with audio of the pilots <clears throat> talking with, about what they're seeing while they're seeing it. Yeah, mm. so that was kind of a big uh, news break and sort of a validation for a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. of well, ufologists and One stuff of the like ways that, that Harry Reid got so much funding for that in the Senate was because other senators who had flown planes during World War II, during Korea, during, uh, I don't know, maybe Vietnam, but they talked about seeing mm-hmm. that they themselves during wartime seeing craft flying outside their planes that they could not explain. So, uh, you know, I think people see this shit more than we, you know, there's credit for. And to answer your question, Ben, I think we do know about this stuff. We just don't know what it is. Hmm. And I think that a lot of that, again, uh, information is being withheld from the public. And also, I think it's just just so much shit on the Internet, including this podcast, (laughs) that it's hard to discern what's real and what's not. Yeah, totally. And and for some reason, it doesn't strike a... uh, <clears throat> that chord through um through everybody that says hey this is the most important thing that I should be talking about but and hey, oh, oh, oh go for it oh I was you know, do it do it you and got we're it. back Oh, nice. He beat us to it. Well, with 400 <laughs> podcasts, he knows, he knows when to come in. The man knows when he's back. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, a long-haired alien wearing a headband just picked up Michael and uh, took him away. I had to fly him away. Yeah. So uh, finishing up with the better half of uh, Acker and Blacker here with Ben Blacker. And we just discussed the Ariel School phenomenon story. and um, Which he's conclusively on board with. He's on it's board It's a pretty with. good story. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it. It makes for a good story anyway. I think so too. Um, I mean, if anything, that's I think what we're we're going for is it. If believe it or don't, that's up to you. But we just want to tell some good stories. And you have been for almost a year. I know. Oh, I thanks. know. How exciting. Um, okay. Cool. Well, let's uh, 
Let's wrap up. And um, I think you want to tell us again about what's coming out? Let me do that. Let's do uh, that. This book from Vertigo, uh, DC Vertigo, called Hex Wives. It's Hex about Wives. witches and the insidious ways that men control women. Uh, I have learned in doing comics that pre-orders are very important. Yes. Right. So uh, I think this will be out within the next couple of weeks. But the thing tomorrow. to do... Oh, great. Yeah. So listen, if this comic book sounds good to you and my artist is amazing and the colorist is absolutely incredible, uh, so I hope you'll check out at least the first issue. If it sounds good to you, listener, call up your local comic book shop. Tell them you would like a copy of Hexwives. They will order it for you. Then on Halloween... You go in, you give them four bucks, and you get your copy of the comic. I don't even care if you read it. <laughs> Just pre-order it. <laughs> if you pre-order it, it means I get to do more. Like, I want to do this comic for 100 issues. Totally. Yeah. Um, I have so many stories to tell in this world. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and get a get a copy of Adventure Van Yeah, our, our boy Michael. Yeah. I I'm mean, excited for that. It's yeah. really great. Our really audience is. is all about these type of stories, and, and, and Michael has shown us before, just like you said, that pre-orders can be a, a huge boon to what we do to keep telling these creative stories. So so check it out and do that if you're listening. And also, uh, you know, find us on iTunes and, and rate and review us because it really helps get our podcast noticed, and we're, we're trying to crack that top 200 thing. It is. We are getting very close. Yes. And uh, it's very exciting to top 200 in comedy. So if you guys wouldn't mind just clicking a... Clicking some stars for Well, you us. should be in the science category. <laughs> this is... I know. I agree with you, Ben. I agree with you 100%. Is that true? Yeah, they moved us oh, over to no. comedy. So... <laughs> oh, that's cute. A science Aww. podcast. So for now, we'll have to suffice as a comedy podcast. No, which is what we are. I no, mean, yeah, we always... We, we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, but... Uh, we take the facts seriously. That's facts, right. Ben. Facts. That's right. I like that. <laughs> Yep. I like that a lot. But everything else Everything is, else, uh, not so much. Not yeah. so much. <laughs> uh, that's it for this episode of uh, BCC. Check us out uh, next week. We got a really good one coming. Yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. We, we love you. All right. Bye-bye. See you. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. 
It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.